John chapter 15, verses 15 through 17. The word of the Lord reads as follows. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit that would last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. And then verse 17 says, This is my command, love each other. Wow. This is my command, love each other. But verse 16 also says, You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that would last. Father, thank you for your word. Dear Holy Spirit, you are our teacher. We welcome you and we ask that you open up the eyes of our understanding, that we might truly understand the heart of Father God, that we might understand what you're saying to us in this season. We thank you for these timeless words that minister to every generation. And now, Father, this generation that is yet alive and on this earth and bearing your name and serving you, we pray for your wisdom. We also pray that you grant us new strength and joy in the journey. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray, amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. Hallelujah. So, several things... I wanted to highlight the first and foremost point is that Jesus chooses us. You know, somebody says, yeah, I was saved in 1999 and, you know, I came to the Lord. You know, most of the time we're not even aware of this. Somehow or another he connects us. He connects us with a friend, with a supervisor, a family member, and somehow or another, whether it be at work, whether it be uh, around the dinner table, in a small group, or maybe even a church setting like this, we get to hear the gospel. But we get to hear the gospel for the first time in such a way that the eyes of our understanding are opened, that we realize, hey, hold on a second, God's speaking to me. This is personal. He loves me. He's after my heart. He wants to partner with me in this lifetime. So when we read verses like this, Jesus was speaking to his disciples and he said, everything I've learned from my father, I have made it known to you and I've called you friends. So throughout every generation, God calls out, but not everybody responds. But those that do respond, he calls them friends. He appoints them. He anoints them. I was listening to a testimony and there was this... uh, child, around eight, nine years old, and uh, she's in the, next to the pond where she lives with her grandmother, and suddenly a stairway comes from heaven. She sees an open vision, and she sees someone that comes down, uh, uh, you know, an amazing looking uh, person. She uh, heard her father talk about the rodeo, and She had never been to the rodeo, but when she heard her father speak and the grandmother speak, they would all get excited about the rodeo. 
And so when she saw that, she thought this man, because it was such a grand moment, of, uh, an amazing stairway coming from heaven, she said, this must be the rodeo. And, and so when he comes down, he says, what are you doing? She says, well, I'm here. Her hands were full of mud. She was playing in the mud. So she says to him, I'm just playing. I'm, I'm making little things from the mud. He says, oh, I've done that myself. So as you know, that's what man made us. I mean, God made us from mud, <laughs> right? So uh, she says, are you from the rodeo? He says, well, I am here to round up some people. Yeah, I love how God speaks to children. He has no problem with children. And actually, the Bible says, to come to Christ, you must come as a child. It's, it's that pure trust. It's that pure dependence. But he, he ministered to her. <clears throat> and you know, he told her, he says, are you with anybody? She says, no, I'm just, I'm alone here. I'm here every day by myself, uh, my grandma and, my, and me. She says, well, you're not going to be alone anymore. I'll be your friend. I'll be with you for the rest of your life. <clears throat> I've hear, heard that so many times by so many people. But whether or not we hear this person had a vision, that person had a dream, the truth of the matter is that he still calls us friends. Every generation, God calls us friends. And not only that, he calls us family. And, and Jesus in his earthly ministry said it this way. He said, when you pray, pray this way. Say, our Father. He didn't say, Almighty God in heaven. Almighty God with his sublime and amazing, ostentatious throne. No, he says, Heavenly Father. So God wants to have a personal relationship with each and every one of us. But he doesn't want just to have a casual relationship. You know there are many relationships here on earth. Most of our relationships are casual relationships. We know our co-workers this much. I mean, we know them while they're there. And everybody has a mask on, and everybody plays a role. Everybody dresses a certain way. But once they're gone, you don't know them. You really don't know your coworkers. Not, not their real habits from home. But then you have the boyfriend and girlfriend. Boyfriend and girlfriend know each other pretty close. They get to know each other. But at the end of the day, they both go to their own homes. I'm not, I'm not saying they're living together. I'm saying, you know, if they're just dating and then they go to their homes. They don't know each other, right? Then you got your, 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 your best friend. Your best friends are, are people that you know pretty darn good. But even there, there's a limit. And then you've got uh, what, probably one of the, the most closest relationships. You have family relationships. You have brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters know each other pretty, pretty good. They know the, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Isn't that true? Anybody have brothers and sisters here? But you know, something happens. You grow up, and if you're on the flip side, if you're like 30, 40, 50, you realize things change. Family changes. Sometimes you lose that closeness that you had before. Some, some of you have no relationship at all with your brothers and sisters. And uh, yeah, because th times change. People go into different forums and in different atmospheres. They, they go, um, they learn different things. They, they outgrow this relationship and get into other relationships. Or simply they move. Yeah, how can you have a deep relationship with somebody who lives in California? They just move. But then you have the marriage relationship, right? The marriage relationship is one of the deepest relationships. Man, you really get to know your partner. I mean, wow. You get to know your loved one, your spouse, whew, the good, the bad, the ugly-er, the ugly-est. 
Yeah, you, you, get, you, get, you get to know them deep down. So the type of relationship that God wants for us is he wants to be your heavenly father. The problem with that here on earth is that not all fathers act like God in his fatherhood. Not all fathers are there for their children. So sometimes we don't have that, that understanding. When we hear father, it doesn't evoke to us a sense of joy, a, a sense of protection, a, a sense of, of, oh yeah, father, I, I know what that means. That's awesome. So we have to redefine almighty God when he says, I want to be your father. Because if you don't, you might actually think he's like, you know, Joe, Harry, Larry, Curly, or Mo. But the truth of the matter is, no, he's unique. He's precious. He's true. He's faithful. He's perfect. Hallelujah. So when he says to us, everything I've learned from my father, I have made known to you. And then he says, you did not choose me. I chose you and I appointed you that you could bear fruit and fruit that would last. What is fruit? It's food. What else? Taste? Oh, contains seeds. Yeah, you, you mentioned, I think, in prayer. We, we, yeah, yeah, fruit has seeds. Uh, so it, it's something that will last because it keeps on reproducing. Right, right. So it's food. So it can give health and strength. But it also could, it could be transgenerational. Right, right, right. It comes off usually a tree or from, or from the ground. What do you think? A bush. But Jesus said, you know, I've... I've authorized you to be able to bear fruit and fruit that will remain. God looks to us to bear fruit on this earth realm. And when he's talking fruit in Galatians chapter 5, he's saying love, joy, peace, long-suffering, temperance, mercy, patience, and all that other good stuff. And it's true because, oh, faith is another fruit. Two things about faith. Faith is a gift. Right now, you have a gift. Of a gift of faith. You have, uh, uh, God gives you even that sense to be able to know inherently, to know in your heart that God is there. doesn't make a difference what society says. doesn't make a difference what scientists say. The more they dig, the more they find out that God is God, bottom line. You know, uh, but the truth of the matter is, is no matter how much we fight this thing, in our heart of hearts, we know there is a God. But then there's a fruit of faith. That's the one where you have to cultivate it. Fruit doesn't come easy. You have to invest in fruit. You have to take the seed and plant it in the ground. You have to cultivate the ground. You have to water it. You have to put it in the right atmosphere. That's why uh, a Christian that never goes to church, the faith will be challenged sometimes because you're not watering it the way you should. The Bible says don't stop coming uh, to the church setting or or the place of fellowship. Don't stop coming. Why? Because that's where you're with like-minded people. Any champion knows this, that if you want to be great at something, you have to hang around those that are great in that thing. You, you know that. It's just that's the truth of the matter is. Years ago, um, one of uh, my mentors uh, said he was playing with um, a pool player. He was playing pool. And he was amazed at the guy. Pop, 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 pop. He would put them all in. He was saying, wow, you're amazing. He says, why don't you go pro? He says, I'm only a B-level player. He says, what's the difference between a B-level player and an A-level player? What I'm looking, what I see here is you're the man in this. He says, well, I always hung around just B-level players. I never hung around A-level players. 
So in, in that he was saying to him, in order for me to up my game, I can't hang around with you. You think I'm big and bad, but I'm in, in the essence of greatness in this game, I'm just basically the biggest goldfish in a little bowl. There's a much, much larger tank, and I'm not there. See my point? So as a Christian, when we hang around other people of like-minded faith, it stirs our faith up. This is one of the reasons why we come. It's not to be on some church roster. This is not about that. Why do you go to, uh, to your the exercise place? Why, why do you go to your exercise gurus? Why do you ever get a coach? I remember... I had therapy on the shoulder because it was partially torn rotator cuff. I guess from my early days of playing ball, I used to, uh, I played third base, so I used to throw it real hard. And nobody trained me how to take care of my shoulder, so I blew it out. So when I'm going to therapy, they took care of it really nice. So for six months, made it feel better, so I feel good. I said, can I continue this? The insurance ran out after six months. <laughs> I was really enjoying that. So after six months, he says, yeah, you're going to have to get one of the coaches over there. They'll take you to the next level. I says, good, good. So I went to the coach, and I told him how much. They told me how much. And so he starts me, starts me. Now, for the first six months, I'm getting therapy. Anybody here ever, ever got therapy for shoulders or something like that? It's nice. You lay down. You listen to your music. They put hot and then cold stuff, and they put this thing that makes it. You know, it's, it's really nice, and, and you you get into a zen. You are oh, nice. It, it's so nice. Well, this guy here, he probably didn't get the memo. <laughs> this guy here, he said, "Okay, start making turn and do this and do that, and and here's the weights. Now you gotta go like this. Then you gotta go like like this. Then you gotta go like uh, this." Then you got to go like that. And by the end of the day, I was in pain. Pain here, pain here, my back, my legs. He, I was all stretched out. I looked like Gumby. And my man said, good job. I said, good job. I hate you. <laughs> so I did about three to six months with this guy. But he was merciless. But I got to tell you something. After six months, I was feeling diesel. I was feeling solid. I was, I, I was man, I, I don't remember ever feeling so good, you know? Some of you guys know you, you can't beat me in push-ups now. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, a coach will make you greater. A coach is not interested in your comfort. A coach is interested in your future. See? So when, when we talk about coming to the local fellowship, that's what we're doing. We're looking for people that will mentor you um, to the next level, people that you could work with. And not only that, you have something to add also. What would your job do if you needed to come to work Monday and you don't show up? What would they do? But why, though? Stay home. What's the big deal? Why? Because you're needed. That's why you're hired, because your specific set of skills are needed, right? But if you don't bring them, they'll have to replace you, because the job has to get done, right? But in, in the Christian realm, it's not that you get fired. You haven't been to church for a month. You're fired. <laughs> it's not the, that's not the point about this. It's your gift. God expects us, right? He gave us the privilege to bear fruit. What does fruit do? As food it gives strength. It encourages. You know, you're hungry and you, you throw a, a pop a couple of, of fruit in your mouth. Mm, nice. You feel what? Refreshed and stronger. 
Well, guess what? You're fruit to somebody. You encourage somebody. You strengthen somebody. And if you don't show up, they're not going to get encouraged. They're going to miss out on the gift that is you. And the fruit is a seed. Another thing about fruit is that when you come to the place of fellowship, you also share your unique perspective. Melody shared her unique perspective a couple of minutes ago, the way she views her specific life at this moment, the things that she's working through, her challenges, whether physical, whether uh, getting ahead in life, uh, uh, working. She shared three areas of her life, and she was vulnerable with us. And she, what, encouraged us. I could not share it the way she shared it. She even encouraged me. She said, oh, cool, Pastor. <laughs> Thank you. That's, that's so cool. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, is that we all have something to add. And that's, God, that's what God wants. It's not just enough for you to say, I'm a child of God. Amen. Good. That's, that's awesome. Because that sets up your future. It sets up your eternity. But meanwhile, while you're here on earth, God expects you as his authorized representative, as the family member. You know something? The scripture says we are a royal priesthood. Whoa. That's, that's a, 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 a hybrid because a priesthood is somebody that represents God to man and man to God. We know that. That's ecclesiastical. But royal signifies kingship. It signifies, uh, you know, a king and, and his domain. Like in Europe, you have a prince of Wales, prince of this, princess of that, and, and the duchess of this and duchess of that. It's very royal. So they're, they're separated and they're expected to act a certain way. They're expected to look a certain way. They're expected to speak a certain way. When they go anywhere in the world, they don't treat them as average folk. They have special planes, they have special emissaries, they have special um, food that they eat. They, they don't take them to the, the Motel 6. No, you, you go to the finest hotels. Why? Because they represent an entire nation. So those are the royals. But you have the priesthood. The priesthood are the ones that when you come to a church, uh, they're the ones that share the word of God with you. They're the ones that pray for you, right? Isn't that true? Well, the Bible calls us a royal priesthood. So we represent God to mankind, and we tell God about mankind's issues in prayer. But we're also royal because we are children of the king. Wow. See, so your position then suddenly became extra special, extra important. There is an anointing on you right now. And some of you here haven't activated that anointing. Some of you are not even aware of how important you are here on earth. Some of you are not aware how God is wanting to speak through you, bless through you, minister through you, right? And then number two, since God is king of kings, we walk around as prince and princess, what does that mean? We have authority in this earth realm given by him that no man can take away. Hallelujah. When we pray, we have authority. Remember when uh, the devil went to Jesus and says, Jesus, if you worship me, I'll give you all of this. Remember that? What did Jesus say? 
get thee behind me. Or in another version it says, get away from me because you do not understand the things of God. You only understand the things of man. He said, if you worship me, I'll give you what? The kingdoms. What a difference. When the devil wants to, quote unquote, bless you, he'll offer you kingdoms. And many people today are getting sucked up by that. They want to be rich. They want to be famous. They want kingdoms. And they don't, they don't know that's just, that's just a setup. Once he gets you, you become useless. Now you think you're all that and a bag of chips. And at the end of the day, when it gets pulled out, the rug gets pulled up from under you, you realize it was all a smoke screen. But when God wants to bless you, he doesn't offer you, you know, riches, fame, and fortune. He, fortune. he offers you family. He offers you his kingdom. He offers you come and I will adopt you into my family. When we come to saving faith in Christ, there's actually a legal adoption that takes place. Hallelujah. We are adopted into the family of God. That's what the scripture says. Now, I don't know about you, but what's the difference between a fully born child to a family or an adopted child to that very family? What's the difference? Hmm? The adopted is chosen, right? But they both have the same legal right to the goods and the benefits and the name of that particular family. Right? Yeah, but I'm only adopted. I'm not as good as the fully born. Yeah, but there's a difference. When you're talking about Almighty God, he makes it so perfect because when we come to Jesus... The blood of Jesus forgives us, cleanses us of all sin. And then it says, we become born again. So even though there's an adoption, there's also a full birth. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I don't have to think I'm less than because in his infinite wisdom... He creates an avenue for me to become fully enmeshed into the family by the blood of the Lamb. So I have full rights, full benefits, full blessing in this particular family. As he loves Jesus, he loves you and me. I only got like about 10 amens there. That means we don't have the revelation of that yet. That's what Jesus said. That's what his word says, that we are loved just like the Lord Jesus. Wow. How can that be? The Lord Jesus is so precious. He was so perfect in, in this earthly realm. He was 100% obedient to the Heavenly Father, but yet the Heavenly Father loves me like he loves Jesus. You know why we don't understand that level of love? Our love is limited. I love you, but if you cross me, my love is gone. Anybody here understand what I'm talking about? Yes. You know, you, you, you love somebody, but if they keep on spitting in your face, after a while, it's not going to be this anymore. It's going to be this, right? Who do you think you are? You're, you're, you're abusing my love. But God's love, agape, which is, is that's the original uh, Greek word for that type of love is the highest level of, of love. It's the love that loves even when we don't deserve it. Wow. You don't know what I was before. doesn't make a difference. When you're born again, that's the key. You're born again. The old person, dead. Brand new. 
So in God's kingdom, in his eyes, in his perspective, your past done away with. Doesn't exist anymore. anymore. Totally expunged. Say to your neighbor, my sins are totally forgiven. And my sins are totally forgotten. Hallelujah. So it gives us power for living because now we can move ahead without being stuck in our past. Now, our friends might want to try to keep us in the past because, see, some of our friends might be haters. Once they see you turn it around, once they see you're not miserable anymore, once you see you have the joy of the Lord, once they see that you are now moving ahead, you're getting excited again for life, you're prospering again, you, you, you have the joy of the Lord, and they don't, they're going to go, who do you think you are? I know who you are. No, you know who I was. I'm no longer that person. That person's dead. I'm a new creation in Christ. All things are new. Hallelujah. Amen. And that gives us a new perspective in life. As we walk through life now, it gives us a new sense of appreciation. It gives us a new sense of gratitude. Even like Sister Melanie said, she said, there's gratitude. You know, there's a life of gratitude now. Yes, because you realize how much he did for us. You realize in this earth realm, there's a lot of trouble. There's a lot of hate. There's a lot of anger. There is today. There's a lot of anger. Just look at TV. You'll, you'll see it. But I don't want to mess my, 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 my thinking with that. I want to be effective. I want to bear fruit. And one of the fruit is love. Love where there's hate. I want to bring love. There's enough hate already. I want to bring, bring the love of God. I want to bring the joy. You know what it is? If you stand in a street corner, midtown, right, and you just start laughing with all of your might, you know that belly laughter? If you just start laughing and laughing and laughing, you know what will happen? People will look at you, they'll think you're crazy, and then they'll start laughing. Yeah, I, I, I've seen it over and over and over again. I mean, years ago, they used to have this little box in a bag. And you put a battery in it, and it's just a person laughing with a belly laugh, you know, with those nice laughs. And, and, and I had one. I loved it. I used to put it in a room with people, we always start laughing. And, I, and you know what I love about it? It didn't make a difference whether the people in that room spoke English or Spanish, God's language. And just, <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Uh, that and Bustelo, that's, that's all in heaven. <laughs> Revelation chapter 25. <laughs> you know, Spanish, Greek, Italian. Asian, or the Chinese, Korean, it doesn't make a difference. You put the box of laughter there, they all laugh. It's the universal language. Joy, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Say it again, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Notice, I love this because I had to catch a revelation of it. It says, wow, that's amazing. Joy can actually bring you strength. Why? Why? Because joy is one of the emotions that we carry. Emotion to us, and I want you to catch this, emotion to us releases, a, a, yeah, it's specific that you have endorphins and other feelings and other, emotions bring out extra strength to us. It taps into something that otherwise you would not know is there. Mess with me enough. Watch some strength come out for me. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. First thing you see is my face will start to turn red. And then after that, it's all over. <laughs> no, no, think about it. Have, have you ever been in a position where they mess with you until you say, Ata peace. No more. And then, and then you handle business, right? <laughs> and you realize there's a strength you had be, within you. It was there all along. God placed it in there. God put, you know, anger in there so you could take care of your family and you, you could, you know, overcome the obstacles. Uh, sometimes anger also, if we're not careful, it causes us to do things we don't want to do. But every emotion has the ability to tap in to an almost infinite reservoir of strength. That's the way God made it. God placed the emotion in you. As a human being, you have a varying set of emotions that can cause you to excel. Right? And, and I, I remember every victory story, every story that we see in the movies uh, that, that a person had to overcome incredible obstacles, in each case, they had to tap into the emotions of that individual. Right? So emotion is strength. The joy of the Lord is your so this is why we have to allow the anointing of God to flow in us. That's why we have to confess the word. When I confess the word in the morning or during the day or when I go through a challenge, it gives me the strength to be able to move on. And it gives me the faith to move on. I remember one time I received the bad news at the last moment. At the last moment, uh, I thought a business deal was going to happen that it really needed to happen. And suddenly at the last moment, it didn't. Suddenly, I, I started to freak out. So, what am I going to do? I'm going to lose all this money. I'm going to go bankrupt. And I, I started wallowing in that concern. But suddenly, I realized, hold on a second. I started praising God right there in my living room. I started worshiping him. I started declaring the word of the Lord. And suddenly, the joy of the Lord came upon me. Suddenly, I started feeling that joy once again, and I started declaring God's word right there. It says, no, this thing is going to work. Father, thank you. I take authority right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Yeah. I declare that something's going to rise up that's going to help me to, to finish this business deal, and everything's going to be okay. And I started just having my own joy party right there. There was no music, no drums, no guitar, no piano, no bass, no team backing me up. It was just me and God, and I'm worshiping God. A couple of minutes later, I get a phone call. The phone call was my broker. It says, we don't know how this happened, but somebody stepped into the place. Somebody brand new, has money, all cash, wants to take care of this. And guess what? Since it's all cash, you don't have to go through a whole month and month and a half deal. And they're ready to close this week. On the very day you needed to close. I went, thank you. <laughs> Praise God. But let me tell you something. I had to, I needed the joy of the Lord. And some of you need the joy of the Lord in your jobs. Some of you need the joy of the Lord in the, the joy of the Lord in your families, in the midst of your families. Some of you need the joy of the Lord in your relationships right now. Some of you need a supernatural infusion, the infusion of the anointing of God, of the faith of God to well up strong within you right now. You need a breakthrough right now. Say, say, say to your neighbor, you're going to get that breakthrough right now if you allow the joy of the Lord, if you allow your faith to come alive, praise God. If you allow yourself to get into that place of trust with Almighty God. Hallelujah. Come on, give him some praise. Hallelujah. 
Our relationship with God gives us not only present day benefits, but also eternal benefits. Now, you know, in the 70s, when we used to preach, we used to preach hellfire and brimstone. Today, it's not, uh, 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 I don't know, it's not the classic message we hear. But the truth of the matter is, if God provided a way to reconnect with him and say, and he's beseeching us, the, the word beseech in the New Testament is there various times. I beseech you by the mercies of God, he says. In other words, the apostle Paul would say, be reconciled with God. And they do it with such a desperation. If there's a desperation there, and if the door's made available, and God himself, I don't know how, we, we call it the, uh, the great emptying out, or the great mystery, how God became man. He lived this life for 30 years. Died on the cross and made a doorway of reconnection to Almighty God. If he went through those extremes, why do we think it's a casual thing today? This is a desperate thing. This is, a, 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 this is so important, yet it's life and death. But yet today's philosophies, no, you know, there's many ways to get to God. God has an attitude about that. We as human beings, we like to try to muddy things up. We uh, as human beings, we like to say, well, this is not logical to me, so therefore I don't care about it. Or therefore I'm not, I just choose not to believe it. <clears throat> well, there's some things we believe and some things we don't believe, but it doesn't change the fact. If you don't believe that you'll get a ticket when you double park, go ahead and double park. <laughs> the fact remains you'll still... So we like to put laws here in the earth realm. And if you mess with that law, we'll, we'll come at you. And today's society, we love to go to court. Oh, yeah, we love to go to court. Why? Because the law, the law says, the law says. Everybody's, you know, they want the law. But when God states his law, yeah, just because you reject it does not mean it's not true. We need Jesus in our lives. He, he wants to connect with us, but then there's another reason why he did that is because we are in trouble as a society. We're in trouble as individuals. Sin separates us from his presence. Sin separates us from our purpose. Sin separates us from our best us. <laughs> you understand? We need him because he'll help us. He'll reboot us. He'll realign us. He'll reestablish us. He'll get us back to that place of peace and joy. He'll get us back to that place where our future is set. In John chapter 14, John chapter 15, John chapter 16, John chapter 17, Jesus speaks about the mansions. He speaks about a place he's preparing for us. In Revelation, uh, in the latter chapters, it speaks about uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the soon coming bridal dinner that's going to take place where he receives us. He wants you and I to all be there. The invitation is extended, but not everybody receives it. In one parable, Jesus said that uh, the king sent out invitations to all the people, to all the royals and all the important people. And all the important people said, well, I'm busy. Well, I'm tending to the garden. Well, my family's out of town. I'm busy. Okay. He went, uh, open up this invitation to everybody. To everybody, even that, whether they be sick, whether they be halt, whether they be maimed, anybody, fill up my house. 
So he speaks to us today. My house needs to be full. I want you there. God wants you there. And it's in Christ that we come to the table. It's in Christ that we get that ticket. That when we get to the door, we go, yep, authentic. You can enter. <laughs> right? You have to have your ticket, right? People, there's, there's a beseeching of the Holy Spirit in this day. I don't know if you're sensing it. But the world's not getting better. We are right now one crisis away from this nation going berserk. One crisis away. It could happen from any, any angle. Just today, we had two explosions. Uh, the government right now is fighting to see how they determine you know, what to call it. But the truth of the matter is it was two explosions right here in New York City. We had another situation, uh, I, I forget where, Jersey also? Yes. What happened in Jersey? Another explosion? Yes. Yes. All right, well, I need your, your news channel, you're more up to date than I am. I'm thinking Michigan or um, what's Minnesota, not Ohio, Minnesota, yeah, there you go. In Minnesota, one guy just went berserk and started asking you know, people, are you of a specific religion? And if you, he didn't answer the right way, he would start stabbing you. So he stabbed a whole bunch of people until, until yeah, I think it's Minnesota. Yeah. This happened just, just yesterday. Yeah. So these things are happening. Now, years ago, uh, David Wilkerson and others had a vision of this time, of this time frame, how there would be fires all over the United States. And we needed to pray. We needed to seek God. We needed to beseech Almighty God for His grace over our great nation. Because this is a great nation. It was founded on God's godly principles. As imperfect as humans are, the principles are, are precious. They dedicated this land to Almighty God. <clears throat> and now, little by little, we're getting away. And notice how the more we get away from God, more things started unraveling. Because it's, it's, when you get away from the concrete, the solid anchor, and you leave it toward my feelings. My feelings are fickle. Today I might feel one thing, and, and then tomorrow I might feel another thing. Look what's happening in our nation. Right now, Target is losing money, hand and foot. Hand over fist, rather. I'm sorry. Why? Target, yeah. Hacking? No, not hacking. Not hacking. Because they decided that arbitrarily they're said, now any man can go into a woman's bathroom. <clears throat> and everyone, any woman could go into a bathroom if they feel, biologically or not, that I feel, like, I could say, if, if it's me right now, me, I feel like a woman right now. <laughs> so I'm going to go into your lady's bathroom, and you can't do anything about it. Now, I don't want to be a bigot, <clears throat> and I don't want to be a phobic, because now anything that you don't agree with, you're a phobic. Something phobic, which I think, is, I, I think is such insanity. But let's go with it. Let's roll with it because it's out there. It's what you read every day. It's what your children have to deal with. It's what you have to deal with in the workplace. So what's to say that I'm not a pervert? And I just want to take pictures of kids, female kids. Well, guess what? It's happening. And it's, happening, it's happened already various times. And already various perverts have gotten caught in the process. And how did they get in? Are changing philosophies. Because I feel. See, the minute you get away from the anchor, the bedrock, 
of God's word, the bedrock, and you start getting into feeling, hey, listen, right now in Denmark and other nations in Belgium, right now they feel that people should have the right, if they feel like it, just to kill themselves. And we, the government, should help them to kill themselves. <clears throat> right now. This is happening right now. It's law in certain nations. And it's growing. I forgot the name of what they call it. Euthanasia. That's exactly what it is. Euthanasia. It's just a nice name. And I don't care about the name. I look at the reality of it because my eyes are open. But if you, if you cover it up in nice talk, in political legalese, if you change the name of it, and on and on, I could go and explain to you and probably even offend some of you. But the truth of the matter is, is we're getting away from the moorings of the godly principles that this nation was established on. And God is grieved at the way this nation is pulling away and going the route of other nations. You look at the past. Every nation that has sunk to these levels will not survive that generation. We need God. We need to come back to God. In the 70s, when I came to Jesus, the preacher preached a hell, fire, and brimstone message. And I came to John, oh, Jesus, I need you, I need you, I need you. I wasn't worried about was he going to make me a, you know, give me a raise or anything. I just want to be saved. I don't want to be over there. I don't want to be separated from you. So no matter what comes through my life, I stick with Jesus. But if all you hear, Jesus just wants to make your life better. He's so good. He just loves you. He's such a good God. If that's all you hear, just, well, I don't feel like that. I'm, I'm all right myself. But if you hear, listen, we're one step away from insanity in this nation. And God is saying judgment is coming to this nation. It can't be avoided. All we can do right now is pray, get on his side, and be the blessing when things happen. Amen. Today it happened in Manhattan. Tomorrow it might happen in the Bronx. Next day it might happen in Long Island. Nobody is going to escape all the insanity. You know why? You can't legislate, create laws. I don't care whether it's only the Democrats or the Republicans and the, or, or both of them together. Even if it's a bilateral decision, you can't legislate hate from the heart. Can't be done. And what's going to happen is we're going to see that more and more exposed because it's an open door. This nation opened the door for that to come in as a tidal wave. See? So back to the point. He loves you. When he sent his disciples in that generation, they shared the gospel. I'm talking about untold thousands and hundreds of thousands came to saving faith in Christ. But many didn't. And many hated the message. Many said, how dare you say we need God? And some of them even were persecuted because of that. But guess what? They're in his presence right now. Those that believe Jesus. Those that trusted him. Those others that rejected, the moment they opened up their eyes in eternity, they went, oh my God, this is real. And I rejected it. So I don't have the ticket to enter. Wow. And all it takes, one minute. One mi the moment you open up your eyes in heaven. The moment you open up your eyes, that moment you see Jesus who he is. Oh, how awesome. How precious he is. 
And then you realize, oh my God, I rejected the one who loved me. The one who gave his life for me. All my life, I joked and I, 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 I cursed at those that trusted in him. And now, I can only hang my face in shame. Not me. I love him. I am grateful to him. I, I praise him. I'm grateful for what he's done for me. Hallelujah. So today the Lord calls out to all of us. He calls out to my sons, my daughters. I call out to you. Once again, I remind you who I am. I love you. You're precious to me. Don't live this life apart from me. Let me partner with you. Reconnect with me. I have so much for you. I have grace, I have favor, I have joy. I'll give you strength in the midst of the storm. He even said it, in life you'll have difficulty. But believe in me, I have overcome the world. He overcame so he could help us to overcome. Hallelujah. Will you come? Will you reconnect with him? Today, God, I was going to say God. <laughs> Today, God calls out to you. Personally, you and God. So it's not a matter of, I got to hide. Nowhere to hide. He loves you. He's precious. You're, you're, you're open. His, your life is open to him, and he still loves you. Your imperfections, the good, the bad, and the ugly, still loves you. You're still precious to him. So bow your heads with me a moment. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your kindness, for your word, for your goodness. Thank you for loving us. Thank you, Lord God, for your kindness. Thank you for having mercy upon us. This moment, Heavenly Father, I ask you, Lord God, that you open up the eyes of our understanding. In my own way, I've shared the best way I can. But Lord, I know many times it falls woefully short of how precious you are. But I come before you this moment, and I ask that you would open up the eyes of our understanding by your Holy Spirit. And let your people know how much you love them. Let your people know how precious they are to you. Father, I pray, break every defense. Break every false argument, Lord God, that they've received from the past. From friends, from family, from, from community, from government, from culture. And let them see the truth. Let them see your love, my God. Your love is far beyond anything that we could imagine or hope for. You are precious, my God. And I thank you for your kindness over your people. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask for the ministers and for the deacons to come up here a moment. One of the things of prayer is prayer is the place of power. It's the place of exchange. It's the place where you give God your pain and he gives you his joy. He gives you strength. You bring your weakness to him. You bring your problems, your issues to him, and he does an exchange with you. So prayer is the place of exchange. And in this local house, we want to give you the opportunity that if you desire prayer this moment, we would ask that you come up and we will pray with you. Um, if you've never connected with Jesus, you didn't know how to do it, it's very simple. Believe. Confess before the Lord. I have sinned. Forgive me of my sin. You don't have to name them because we've done, all of us have done too many <laughs> to remember. We can't remember, but we just go before God and ask for forgiveness, receive Jesus, 
And that's it. That's it. He does the rest. He's the one that births us anew. He's the one that does the miracle. He's the one that, that signs the adoption papers, so to speak. Amen? In heaven, there's a heavenly court. And the heavenly court looks this way. You have the just judge. You have Almighty God, the heavenly Father, seating in the judge chair. Then you have on the prosecuting attorney's side, the devil. One of his titles in scripture is the accuser of the brethren. The accuser of the brethren. And he's there accusing you. He knows every sin you've ever done, every sin you've ever committed. He knows it all. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And he stands there and he goes before the just judge. Your honor, he or she did this, 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 and that, and worthy of the penalty. And God looks at it because it's a throne of truth. He says, you're right. Prosecuting attorney, you're right. He or she has done all these things. Okay, defending attorney. You know who's the defending attorney? Jesus. He's the one that comes and fights on our behalf. And he goes before the Father, says, Your Honor, he's right in everything he said, but this person believed in me, repented of their sin, I have forgiven them, I have cleansed them by my blood. And you know, Heavenly Father, right? He says, you know that whoever comes through me, we will not cast out. You know whoever comes to me, we cleanse them of all sin and we forgive their sin. And the just judge says, yes, the payment has been paid. You, my son, paid the penalty for that person and that person is coming under your banner. Therefore, they are forgiven. Therefore, I render them not guilty. 